we're wrapping up this series today um, called Fresh Start. We've kind of talked through a couple uh, steps, or actually three steps, um, that we can, as individuals or couples, families, uh, that we can have a fresh start in 2021. Um, and most of what we've talked about so far has kind of been for us as individuals, or again, as a family, maybe a couple, um, relationally, financially, maybe even spiritually. Today, I want to take another step. And I want to talk about what it might look like for us corporately as a church to have a fresh start. And the way that I want to do that is by talking about one of our core values. Uh, we have seven core values as a church that kind of guide what we do um, as a church and even what we don't do um, as a church. And the core value I want us to talk about today is the core value of team. And here's kind of how we think about team. Um, we, we think of it as our, our, our spiritual gifts have maximum impact when we work together as a team, right? And, and the, the phrase that we use is me um, is better than, than, we is better than me. I know it, it's right here. We <laughs> is better than me, okay? So as an organization, as a group of Jesus followers, we're trying to make maximum impact, not just inside the walls of this church, but in our community, not by paying the professionals, not by paying the professionals to do it, but by all of us working together to do ministry, right? That's, 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 that's what good teams do. They're individuals, and they know their gifts, they know their abilities, they know that Mahomes is going to throw a couple touchdowns today to, to his receivers, right? So they, they know their gifts, they know their abilities, they're individuals, but good teams work together. They approach it with, we is better than me. So I get up here every now and then and use every ounce of persuasion ability that I can muster to help as many of you as possible to get out of the bleachers, to get off the sidelines, to stop just showing up and sitting in a seat and serve and join a team and help us do ministry all over Topeka. And, and just let me tell you why before you check out and start making plans for this afternoon, okay? Our goal, our goal as a church isn't simply to fill seats and sing songs and listen to a message and get home in plenty of time to watch the Chiefs play. That's, that's not our goal. And I know those of you who are regulars here get so sick and tired of us saying every single week, but we're not going to stop. Our mission is to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus. You hear us say that every single week, but here's what we don't say. That's actually impossible. It's impossible. We, we can't convince, we can't coerce, we can't coax somebody to grow in their relationship with Jesus, it's impossible. But what we can do, this is the second part of the mission statement, what we can do is create a relational and physical environment where the Holy Spirit works in people's lives in such a way that life change can happen. You've heard me say this before. We can't make people fall in love with Jesus, but we can arrange the first date. We can create a space. We can create a relationship we can build a relationship in such a way with teenagers, with kids, with adults, that they want to be a part of that relational or that physical environment. Again, we can't convince people who want nothing to do with Jesus or nothing to do with his church to want to connect with his church. But we can create environments for people that don't believe the same things we believe in such a way that they're curious, 
that they, they even go through all the hassle to get their kids ready on Sunday morning to come to this place. And, and, and it's engaging, or maybe they, walk into a, they, they go to a small group and they walk away saying, I'm not sure I believe the same thing those people believe, but they loved each other. And I think they loved me. At the very least, I think they liked me. And I think I will come back. It was engaging. It was helpful. My husband didn't fall asleep. So I think we'll be back next week. That's what our goal is. And over time, the more that happens, they start to grow in their relationship with Jesus. And don't miss this. He changes their life. Not us. He changes their life. So our mission, as impossible as it is, is to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus by creating environments where life change can happen. And that doesn't happen because of a person or a pastor or a team or, or a program. That happens because a whole bunch of people are willing to participate in what Jesus is doing in individual lives. A whole bunch of people are willing to say, I'm not going to participate by just, just paying the professionals to take care of all that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to participate in something that's way more valuable. I'm going to participate with my time. I'm going to give a slice of my time and lay it over the strategy, the mission of this local church. And again, many of you understand that. So many of you understand this. You understand that we is better than me. And I think, I don't have any data to prove this, but I think that's one of the reasons that God has blessed us as a church over the last decade. I think it's one of the reasons that you love this church. I think it's one of the reasons your kids love this church. I think it's one of the reasons that some of your kids grow up in this church and they go away to college and they can't quite seem to find a church like Grace Point. It's because so many people have decided, you know what, that's right. We is better than me. I'm not going to wait for them to do it. I'm going to step in. I'm going to give my time. I'm going to give my abilities, my resources, my talent to what, the, what is happening in this church. And success for us has never been, nor it will ever be, getting a bunch of people to sit in rows and listen to me talk. If that's the, 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 the definition of success for us over the last year, we have been really unsuccessful. <laughs> like really, really unsuccessful. Success for us is the 40 to 50-year-old couple who hasn't been to church since high school. But somebody invited them, either to church or maybe they invited them to a small group, and, and, and they decided to come. And they walked in to this building or they walked into their small group and, and people were friendly and normal and nobody's eyes were glazed over the entire time. And they didn't necessarily agree with everything at first, but it was engaging, it was helpful, and they left thinking, I think we'll give it another shot. I think we'll come back next week. That's success for us. Success for us is the 30-year-old single mom who shows up and is worried about what people are going to think about her and even more worried about what her kids are going to think about church because she knows she needs it. She knows she needs community. She knows she needs people around her to help her raise her kids. And she comes and she sits through the service and the entire time she's thinking about what her kids are doing. She's worried what her kids are going to think about church. And then she goes down and she picks them up and they're excited and they want to come back tomorrow and she has to explain to them this only happens once a week. And so we'll come back next week. That's success for us. And the reason, again, we've been successful. It's not because of a person, a pastor, a program. It's because of dozens of ordinary, busy people just like you. 
have said, you know what? I'm willing to give a slice of my most valuable commodity, my time, and participate with the strategy of my local church by serving on a team. Why would people do that? Especially during a pandemic. Like, why would people, are they, are they, aren't they concerned about being other, around other people? Like, do they, do, they, do they just not have anything better to do on the weekends? No. Now, the reason they decided to participate is because of something we find over and over and over again in Scripture. And we're going to look at a story today that just illustrates this in, in so many ways. So if you have a Bible or a mobile device, I want you to find Matthew chapter, 13, or Matthew chapter 14. We're going to start in verse 13, um, but Matthew chapter 14. And, and we'll start in verse 13, but I got to tell you what happens before verse 13 for some context. Um, so before verse 13, Jesus had a really famous cousin. Anybody remember what Jesus' fa- famous cousin's name was? John the Baptist. Yeah, and it's not like Methodist or Presbyterian. It was he actually baptized people. And John the Baptist had a habit of saying things in the wrong place at the wrong time. Some of you have a cousin like that. Some of you are that cousin. I know you. Um, but, but John ended up saying the wrong thing in the wrong time. And, and he, he ended up being executed through just an unbelievable series of events. You should read the story sometime. It's like a soap opera. Just unbelievable, just these, these events that happen, and John ends up being executed. And so Jesus finds out what happens to his cousin. And that's where we'll pick up the story, okay? Matthew 14, starting verse 13. When Jesus heard what had happened to his cousin, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. Hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, in spite of the fact that he was in mourning, in spite of the fact that he's trying to get away from them, he had compassion on them and healed their sick. Okay, so he hears his cousin's been executed, gets away by himself to deal with that solitary place, and the crowds won't leave him alone. As one, this is an introvert's worst nightmare. Trying to get away, just trying to process, just trying to think, trying to grieve. (laughs) And they won't leave him alone. But Jesus being Jesus, sees the crowd, has compassion on them, and goes right back into ministry mode. Verse 15. As evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place. It's already getting late. So send the crowds away so they can go to the villages and buy themselves some food. So sun's starting to go down. We find out later that there's 5,000 men plus women and children in the middle of nowhere. And the disciples go to Jesus and say, uh, they need to go. They're hungry. They're tired. They need to go. And we don't know why the disciples said this. Maybe they were hungry. Knowing some of the things that the disciples did, I wouldn't put that past them. Maybe they were hungry. Maybe they were worn out. Or maybe, maybe they saw how weary Jesus was. He needs a break. So let's come up with a reason <laughs> to get these people out of here so he can take a break. We don't know, but it's a big enough deal for them to interrupt Jesus and say this. Here's where it gets interesting. Jesus replied, they do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. You give them something. To eat. Again, they're in the middle of nowhere. Sun's going down. It's not like the street lights were going to come on in the first century. They're, they're the thousands of people, and Jesus doesn't argue with them. He, he's not like, no, they don't need to eat. Man cannot live on bread alone. We've heard him say that before. He doesn't argue with the need. That's not the issue. The issue is how is this going to happen? How are we going to feed them? 
And Jesus looks at his disciples and says, they don't need to go away. You guys feed them. And I wonder, I don't know this, I wonder if they thought what we think at times, maybe not on this scale, but have you ever thought to yourself, okay, Lord, I'm not arguing with the need. I see that it's a need, and somebody should really take care of that. But it's not going to be me. I don't have the resources. I don't have the ability. I don't, I don't have the, the, the time to do that. It definitely needs to be done. You're absolutely right, Jesus. But somebody else needs to step up and take care of that. It's basically how they respond. Verse 17, we have here only five loaves of bread and two fish. In other words, we don't have what it takes. We're, we're not arguing with the need. They obviously need to eat. We just don't have the resources to do what you've asked us to do. And here's what Jesus said. It's always what Jesus does. Verse 18, bring them here to me. This is the most important part of the story. Bring them here to me. In other words, let me see what you have there. What, what do you have in your hands? Give me what you have in your hands. Here, here's another way. Bring me everything that you think isn't enough. Bring it to me. Imagine this scene. And many of you have heard this story since you were little, so you can. Verse 19, he directed the people to sit down on the grass, taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to who? Who? The disciples. He didn't give it to the crowd. Jesus gave it to the disciples. So just, just imagine you're one of the disciples, okay? So you bring Jesus your Lunchable, and with this crowd of 5,000 people at your back, he prays for it, he breaks it up, he gives you a little bit of bread and a fish stick and says, okay, go feed him. I don't know about you, but I'm not going to be the first disciple to turn around. I'm like, Peter, you're always acting before you think, you go first, Right? Like, I, I, I'm going to look foolish. What I have in my hand and what you're asking me to do doesn't even equate. I'm not turning around. But he gave them to the disciples. And the disciples gave them to the people. Who gave them to the people? Disciples. I can't overstate this. I can't exaggerate it. I probably can't even communicate it clearly. But this is exactly how God has accomplished ministry throughout the history of the church. Here's what happened. The disciples took what they had, and they did the only thing they knew to do. They took their natural, ordinary resources. And then Jesus stepped in and made it extraordinary, made it supernatural. And he did what only he could do. Here's the, here's the short version. The disciples did what they knew to do, and Jesus did what only he could do. I'm just going to start passing out this little bit of bread. I'm going to take this fish and start giving a little bit of it to, to everybody. That's all I know to do. That's what Jesus told me to do. And then Jesus intervened in a way that we don't fully comprehend to accomplish what only he could do in that situation. 
That's how you got here, right? Like, not physically. But that's how you got here today, spiritually. Like, I don't know your story specifically, but I know kind of how it happened. Somebody invited you to church. Somebody brought you to church. Somebody forced you to go to church. That was me. Forced to go to church from a very young age until I eventually wanted to, right? Somebody handed you a book. Somebody prayed for you. Somebody invited you into a discipleship group or a discipleship relationship. Somebody gave you a CD with a message on it. Somebody, somebody did something ordinary. And God used that. God used that in your life in an extraordinary way. That conversation, that dinner, that message, that invitation, that book, to change the course of your life. You're a, a different person today. You're a more connected to God person today because something extraordinary and supernatural happened in your life because somebody did something ordinary and natural in your life. That's always how ministry happens. Did you know that's how ministry every single week happens when I sit in this chair? I just do what I know to do. Mark just does what he knows to do. Our staff just does what they know to do. And then Jesus comes along and does what only he can do. They did what they knew to do. And Jesus came along and did what only he could do. And, and you know how this ends, but let's just read it for fun. Anyway, verse 20. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. The number of those who ate was about 5,000 men besides women and children. Not just leftovers, but they were satisfied, and then there were leftovers on top of that. So here, here's the opportunity in front of us as a church. We can, we can do the same thing the disciples did that day. We can do the exact same thing. We can say, you know, I'm, I'm not sure I can do this. I'm not educated for this. Like, it's intimidating. It's, it's overwhelming to even think about. I mean, Tim, I could barely find Matthew. I'm like a beginner. Or maybe you're, you're further down the line. You've known this story. You could preach it better than I could. You know the ins and outs of all of this. But whatever your story is, you and I, pretty much every single day, we have the opportunity to say to our Heavenly Father, I'll do what I know to do, and then I'll trust you to do what only you can do. And here's, here's what that might look like. We need some of you to be willing to partner with, with parents and families of our church by sitting in a circle with kindergarten through fourth grade kids and teach them the truths, teach them the stories of their faith that will be the anchor of their faith for the rest of their life. We want you to take a little bit of your breadcrumbs and just start passing it out to kids so they can have the bread of life. That's not childcare. That's children's ministry. We want your face to be one of the faces that comes to their minds when they grow up and think back to all the people that invested Jesus in them. You can do that. You can do what's ordinary. You can do what's natural. And Jesus will do the extraordinary. Jesus will do the supernatural. I mean, come on, isn't it true? Just think back in your life. Aren't there some faces that come to mind whenever I start talking about that? Jesus used those, those people in your life.
We need some of you to be willing to partner with parents of fifth and sixth grade kids or seventh through 12th graders because just like it happened in my life and in yours, there comes a time in every teenager's life where they start to tune mom and dad out. And, and you get to come along and you get to be the person, the flesh and blood person that God uses to influence them towards wisdom. And, and, and you say, I don't even think I want to do that, Tim. Like teenagers are intimidating. Listen, I spent four years in college learning to do it. Five years as a youth pastor here doing it. And the whole time I felt like I didn't know what I was doing. I was just passing out breadcrumbs and fish sticks, right? Sometimes literally breadcrumbs and fish sticks. I, I just did what I knew to do. And Jesus did what only he could do. I, you know, this is, this is kind of a rabbit trail, but I hear a lot of people worried about the future of our country. I see a lot of people shouting at each other, but very few adults investing in the next generation of leaders. Very few adults investing in the next generation of teachers, the next generation of businessmen and businesswomen, the next generation of politicians and citizens in our country. You want to change our country? Good. Invest in the next generation because that'll change our country. You want to invest? You want to see things change? This is one of the best ways you can invest grace, invest truth, invest Jesus into the next generation of our country. We need some of you to be willing to do that because that's what we're trying to do. We need, we need some of you to be willing to welcome and greet and connect first-time guests. I've said it before, I'll say it again. The sermon starts at the door. The sermon starts at the door. It doesn't start whenever I start talking, whoever has this microphone strapped to their face starts talking. It starts about seven seconds from when they walk in the door. The sermon starts in the door. That's just another way of saying ministry for us as a church begins when they walk in the door. And some of you are already helping us do that. And you do a great job at it. But we need some more of you to help us do that. You, we, need, we need some more of you to help us not just say hi and you know, welcome people. No, that's ministry. It's ministry. And we need some of you to do that. It's all part of creating relational and physical environments where life change can happen. We can't force people to grow in their relationship with Jesus, but we can and we should do everything in our power to help people connect with him, to help people reconnect with him, to help people connect with his church. And that happens when hundreds of men and women decide to do what the disciples did that day and just say, God, I'll do what I know to do and trust that you'll do what only you can do. And so here in a minute, I'm going to ask a whole bunch of you to get in the game and join a team. But before I do that, I need to give you a little bit of a behind-the-scenes snapshot, okay? So this is an understatement of the day, but COVID has changed a lot of things for us as individuals, as families. If you own a business, I'm sure it's been absolutely crazy. But if you haven't noticed, it's changed things for us as a church too, right? Um, we, our, our, our seating capacity is limited, which is why we're asking you to register for Sunday morning gatherings. Nobody really wants to do that but we don't really have an option right now. Um, we hear a lot of people ask, you know, when is Saturday night service going to start again? That'll open up some, some, some seats. Well, the answer to that question kind of depends on how many people are willing to start serving again or to start serving for the first time, especially in our family ministry environments. We, we want to get people involved in all kinds of different ministry environments. But if you want to know where our greatest need is right now, 
It's family ministry. It's in the nest. It's in the hollow. It's in the fort. It's in the loop. It's with tandem. Student ministries. Our ability as a church to get back to full capacity again really depends on our, on our ability and our willingness to serve the next generation. And we also realize there are a lot of people that aren't ready to come back on site yet. That reduces the number of people serving. We get that. And I'm not trying to guilt any of you watching online to come back early. I'm not trying to guilt any of you to start serving or to start serving again. I'm just telling you, these are the conversations we're having as a leadership team. These are the conversations we have. Sometimes we just look at each other in staff meeting like, okay, <laughs> you got an idea? Because <laughs> we, we, we really don't know what the future looks like. We really don't know what the next step looks like. But we do know this is going to help us. We do know getting more and more people involved is going to help us. So join a team, rejoin a team. And I'm asking, would you be willing to carve out a slice of your time and take that slice of time and do what you know to do? Do what you're trained to do. Do what you're asked to do. And then watch what God can only do. And if you are, Here's how you can do that. You should have seen one of these on the seats or one, a seat next to you. Some of you saw this. You looked over. You're like, I know where we're going. And you stayed the entire service. Good for you. There's a crown in your, there's a jewel in your crown for staying, okay? But here's, here's what we want. If you're joining us online, you're watching this online, uh, you can find this uh, form on our website or in the Facebook comments. Uh, you can get that there. But if you're not already, let me say it again. If you're not already, Serving on a team. I am asking you to serve on a team. And if you'd like to start a conversation about that, all you need to do is fill this out, okay? All you need to do is fill out. And here's what's gonna happen if and when you fill this out. When I pray and dismiss here in a second, you're gonna put that in one of the gray boxes at the back of, of the, the worship center here. Or if you're in tandem watching, there's a gray box at the back of tandem as, as well there. And one of our pastors or one of our ministry leaders is going to call you either this week or next week, okay? Let me, let, me, let me be very clear. You are not signing up to start next week, okay? We are not going to put you in a room full of rabid preschoolers and say, good luck. It's something we're doing, okay? We hope we're a little more organized than that. What we're asking you to do is let us know, and then we're just going to have a conversation. We just want to have a conversation, Okay? Because you might sign up for one area, you might check a box in one area, and then as you're having a conversation with one of our pastors or one of our ministry leaders, they might think, well, actually, you know what? I think you'd actually be better in this area. Let me tell you about that. So that's all you're doing. You're letting us know, hey, I'm willing to have a conversation about these different areas. Um, some of you might sign up for a certain area, and again, after having a conversation, they'll point you in a different direction, but we won't know. We won't know that you're interested in that unless you fill out the card. One other thing we're doing this, this week, um, Tuesday at uh, 7.30, some of our pastors are gonna have a Facebook Live. That's an opportunity for you to get on to hear a little bit more specifically about what um, we're looking for or what they're looking for in their different ministry areas. And that's, that's an opportunity, maybe for you're new or you're, you're, you're still trying to get to know us as a church, that's an opportunity for you to hear the heart of our ministry leaders and pastors. Um, ask questions. You can hear other people's questions that they may have. So that's the next step for some of you. Just join us on Facebook Live this Tuesday um, at 7.30. But here's, here's how I'll end. Is everybody clear on that? Did I, did I say that too quick? I'm pretty sure it's easy, okay? Here's how I'll end. I can sit up here and I can say this with confidence 
Not because I've experienced it in my own life, although I have. I can sit up here and I can say this with confidence. Not necessarily just because the Bible tells me so. I can sit up here and I can say this with confidence. Because I've seen the Bible lived out in many of you. I can sit up here and I can say this with confidence because I have names. I have faces. I know people who take a little bit of slice of their time and they say, God, I'm going to do what only I can do and I'm going to trust that you'll do what only you can do. And I can tell you story after story after story and there are people sitting right next to you. That's how I can say this with confidence and I honestly believe, I honestly believe this. If, if you'll do what only you know to do, you will experience God doing his work through you. I honestly believe it. I mean, come on, think about it. The disciples had no idea what was getting ready to happen when they turned to that crowd. They had no idea. What if they would have argued with Jesus and said, this, is, this isn't going to work? There's no way. What if, what if they would have missed it? I don't want you to miss it. I don't. I don't want you to miss it. Those disciples standing there that day had no idea what they were getting ready to experience. And in similar ways, as we plan, as we pray for the future, as we look to what Grace Point looks like post-COVID, there's a lot of unanswered questions. There's a lot of things we don't know. But what we do know, we absolutely know, is that God will do extraordinary things in us and through us if we'll simply say, God, I will do what I know to do. And then I'm going to trust you to do what only you can do, which is change a heart, change a life, redirect or direct somebody's path. So fill it out, leave it in one of the gray boxes. We'll have a conversation with our pastors and we'll just see. We'll just see. See where God takes it. See what God does with our crumbs and our fish sticks in the next season of ministry, as we continue to do whatever we can to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus by creating environments, relational and physical environments, where life change can happen. Let me pray for you. Father in heaven, thank you for um, the opportunity that you give us to join you in ministry. It's unbelievable for me to think about. That, that the same God who showed up in a burning bush to Moses and sent him shows up in our lives and sends us. And God, just as, um, just as you gave this little bit of fish and this little bit of bread to your disciples, you've given all of us a little bit of talent, a little bit of ability and you ask us to turn it around and, and to give, to serve, to be your hands and feet. God, there's so many, so many people in this room and watching this online right now that do this over and over and over and over again. And, and I know you look down on them, you look at them, and you're so pleased because as, as one of my peers says, served people serve people. And you've served us so well. You've given to us so much. And we want to be people that give out of the overflow and serve out of the overflow of what you've done in our lives, what you've done in our families, what you've done in our church and our community. 
So God, I pray for a whole bunch of people who are willing to take a step and to say, I'm willing to, to have a conversation. I'm willing to do what, what I know to do. I'm willing to do what you um, ask me to do. I'm willing to do what you train me to do. And then watch as you show up in their life and then watch as you show up in the lives of the people that they're going to love and they're going to serve and they're going to give to. God, thank you for allowing us to be um, the kind of church that sees the value of this. I know it is because of your spirit at work in us and through us that I get to see this over and over and over again, and I'm so grateful. So would you do this for your benefit, for your glory, and for our good? And I pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks so much for being here with us, everybody. Have a wonderful, wonderful week.